All right, what's happening? We're here in Thailand. I'm here mm. with Aaron. Good morning. Ladies Good morning. Over here at a bachelor party, bachelor bachelorette party. Yes. Um, not in Australia. If you follow the podcast, sorry, there's no episodes for two weeks. I was <laughs> in Australia. It was absolutely horrible. Uh, where my man's from, but I do not recommend it. Um, as soon as as soon as I showed up in Australia, I got detained, and they, <laughs> and they put me in a little corral, like literally what they make the the lines for in airports. They made mm-hmm. like one around me, and I just had to stand in there for thirty minutes. It was super whack. I thought. Um. Anyway, I'm not gonna complain about Australia, but it was whack as hell. <laughs> I, I didn't know that that happened to you. That's like, uh, yeah, but that's that's kind of not standard. Yeah, and it's like you know, I get that I'm a high risk profile. I'm brown. I'm thirty something. I travel a lot. My job sounds made up. You live so, in Thailand. I live in Thailand, so and I've been to Middle Eastern countries. I realize like it's not that weird. And if there's a high risk individual, it is me. And the first time I was able to have a good perspective, the second time, but literally every time I go into a first world country, even my own country, America, I seem to get detained in question and I, my patience is uh, reducing. Mm-hmm. So that's right. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about today. 100%. Maybe it's a little bit. Maybe there's a meta message here. Yeah. Um, anyway, we're at this uh, bachelor party. We've had great conversations. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, uh, we were playing like an icebreaker game and someone was like, what's your pet peeve? And you said something I thought was interesting and relevant. Yeah, yeah. Basically, I was just, um, I was prompted by the Joe Rogan podcast where he interviews a dude called Adam Corona, who's, uh, who hosts the show Adam Ruins Everything. And this dude, basically, long story short, was one of the most intellectually beta male personalities, probably, probably like out there in the media he um when he was actually questioned by joe on basically everything his exact his well, the words that came out of his mouth was look i'm not an expert but all of my gay friends say this or all of my female trans friends say this and i can have great relationships with girls but you know i've always had great relationships with the uh, friendships with girls but uh never with guys and uh, everyone in the comments were just like ripping him but but the thing the the, the behavior that bothers you was something yeah. about his posturing right yeah, totally. Like it's it is something about um, coming from that energy in that place that um, is is super yeah super beta and super and Joe's kind of said this about male feminists like Joe Rogan said this about male feminists like kind of like I know what you're doing, buddy. You're trying to get you're trying to get women to like you by like basically being on their side and stuff. And there is actually a very distinct energy in guys where if we're in our heads at all about stuff, like it's not, it's it, or, or over intellectualizing stuff. Like we, we zone out, like that's something that we, we've noticed in men's groups when we've been to them in the past. And if the, if a guy's coming from, it could be saying anything, he could be saying the exact same stuff that this guy Adam dude was saying, but if he was saying it from a place of actual truth and like within himself, he knows it to be true. Like I could respect that, but yeah, it's it, the posturing behavior and nature of it was just like, if you, like yeah, pretty pretty actually pretty annoying. And when you see it in real life, it's even it's more infuriating. Yeah, and the reason why I met, someone asked this like so I, I obviously got upset about the same thing, where I was like, yeah, this bothers me too. Yeah, and someone was asking, well, why does it matter? And um, I I think about it for a second, um, but also I mean I I do view that. A group of human society. There's a reason why sexual polarity exists. Yes. A, a human group, whether it's a family or a tribe or a perhaps nation, um, needs a little of both of the of the traits. Like 
testosterone-driven traits and oxytocin-driven traits are both extremely important. So it doesn't matter who does what. It doesn't even matter what genders are. Yeah, it's like there's agree. something about someone who presents as I am holding down the masculine virtues of uh, this yeah. collective yeah. and then not actually doing it. And that's that's what I think is yes. the issue with stuff like this. It's like it's totally fine. I think being a feminine dude is great. I mean, totally doesn't matter what your orientation is. doesn't matter anything. But if you're yeah. going to present like, hey, I'm holding down the virtues, the masculine side of uh, society and you're not or you're shaming it or you're yep. disintegrating yep. it or you're somehow uh, like you're, you're depolarizing society. Anytime it's, it goes out of, into an extreme, whether hyper-masculine or hyper-feminine. And then there's more to it than that because we, yeah. we, we evolved into the discussion to like, like gay flamboyancy. I actually think <laughs> there's actually a Kurt Vonnegut perspective, the fiction writer. He's like yeah. in um, Slaughterhouse-Five. It's, a, a, uh, it's a, a comedic book with mm. some deep truths, but he was basically right. like, humans have no idea how, is an alien coming to earth saying this? Like humans have no idea how important a uh, gay male is for society to produce children. And I mean, <laughs> and I think there's something, there's something to that. Like we need all yes. of the, the collective archetypes to make a, I was joking. Like I think society needs 2% uh, or some some percentage, two <laughs> percent on the dot. Any, any high is too much. Or, or some percentage of like gay men and every every. I mean every everything. Every aspect of uh, sexual expression is important. Um, mm -hmm. But to pre present, I'm holding down this role, and you're not actually. It's dangerous, and this relates to the the main topic. Yes. I don't. I mean, I was going to talk about something else because I didn't know if Aaron was going to be awake yet. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I, I want to speak about completing adolescence and how this mm -hmm. relates because. Um, a lot of this stuff, like the thing that irks me about with that guy, you know, the guy you just mentioned, is yeah. he's not actually fulfilling a constructive masculine role where he can yeah. actually take responsibility and lead a group and protect a yeah. human being, whether it's a child or someone in a vulnerable state. Um, yeah. Those ideologies kind of, if, if a lot of people viewed that way, like societies and families wouldn't be safe. Yeah. wouldn't really have any of the, yeah, it wouldn't, yeah. Yeah, because like the, the main thing being that when, um, yeah, th that's exactly right. Like what you were saying before with um, holding down the masculine pole, like the way in which a guy speaks and the energy that he projects is so, is so distinctive within like if you had like a really integrated, like healthy masculine, like military commander compared to this guy where there wouldn't be any waffling. Like, you know, you can say like, I'm not an expert on this and then just say, this is what I think and this is why, but it wouldn't come with the same sort of entitlement to like, mm -hmm. yeah, there's entitlement to his opinion being like, you know, somehow greater than other people's, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like he has that sort of energy about him. And when you have, when you're coming from a more integrated masculine, like healthy masculine place, I think guys are, yeah, like take responsibility for their own opinions. Mm -hmm. Don't make it about some sort of, it's yeah, it's not really, really a collective thing. It's like, yeah, it's an individual responsibility thing. It's not like, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Because I'd say that's the difference between a boy and a man and mm. psychologically, like, it's totally important to express your inner child and, and go through that full mm. cycle. In fact, I think a lot of men are stuck in boy psychology because they didn't get to their needs met as a child. Yes. We can get into that in a second. But like, if you're an adult human being, and you're always leaning on the collective. Like this is one of the issues I yeah, have with social right. justice. Not that I think social justice as a concept is negative, but the culture yeah. around it kind of leans on like, oh, things are fucked up, which is true. Things are fucked up in many situations. Yeah. But now I now I want society to fix it for me. I want authority to fix it for me. Or somehow the group has to fix it for me as opposed to empowering the individual, yep. which is 
is an okay perspective if you're a child mm-hmm. or if you're in a situation where you're where you need to rely on someone but if a lot of people do that then society's mm-hmm. going to crumble or it's, I think things are not just going to be healthy for someone needs to hold down that testosterone driven uh, vision safety well yeah just r- run that out to its logical conclusion you want society or an authority to fix it for you <clears throat> some individual or a group of individuals is going to have to be that authority that fixes it you know and and if, if social justice is great and like the, the the real power behind it in historically has been leaders like Martin Luther King's like the ultimate example of, you know Gandhi there's always been there's always going to be a hierarchy of people or group of people and then like you know some sort of figurehead or leader that takes responsibility for himself and potentially for more the, the group and you know what setting the structure around it and then moving that towards you know moving that moving moving that in society through that rather than just being like it's like yelling at you know, and there's, and there's something about pro- protesting is 100% a legitimate thing and striking as well. But, you know, someone has to organize a strike. Someone has to organize the protest. There's always going to be that, ma- like, you know, quote unquote, masculine dry- the pole or drive that has to occur in order for to shape a movement or shape society in that way, you know? So that's, and, and if you're just, and, and complaining, complaining again, again, it depends on how you're doing it. You may, you may need to take, yeah, taking responsibility for your own actions to try and ameliorate the problem is like a key part of the masculine, the healthy masculine response to that. Yeah, and I guess why I get so fired up about this is I do think it's kind of a plague of men of our generation where I, I actually think consumerism is probably the largest thing to blame. Right. Maybe yeah, some yeah, other yeah. cultural factors. That, and this is Noah Harari's uh, viewpoint from Sapiens, so just to credit him, mm-hmm. that um, consumerism is an ideology that perpetuates itself as most ideologies. And... A consumer society thrives on people having child psychology. Like uh, yeah. instead of um, instead of um, fitting into society and having an important role, whether it's like as a man or as a hu- whatever person, um, the idea behind consumerism is if you have enough money, you can buy enough things to have all your needs met, yeah. and then you no, no longer have to sync up with the rest of society. And you can see this in major cities where you know there's maybe a housing crisis or housing is too expensive but everybody strives to live in their own individual box yeah and um and i do think this does relate to this idea i mean and also with that um i think education uh keeps children i mean there's there's a point in society and i I think it was i heard this on joe rogan they're talking about the voting age um and how i think in the united states in the 70s or no prior to the draft i think in the 40s the voting age was 18 no 21 sorry 21 yeah it was moved to 18 because kids were going to war. Yeah. Um, but back then, like in the early 1900s, um, an 18-year-old man or a 21-year-old man probably started working when he was 10. Yep. He probably had four kids already. Like he, <laughs> he experienced enough of the world that there was no way he was – I mean, maybe he had some infantile traits. Uh, people do. But like so circumstances forced him to take a, a fatherly role and like yep. be responsible in society. Whereas now, I mean, it's a common, I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of this to degrees, you know, I think it's a thing of our generation. Mm-hmm. You'll see guys who are 35 and they still rely on their parents emotionally or maybe financially or yeah. in some way they're not actually living their own life. They're still part of the unit. Mm-hmm. And this is an issue where like, our, I mean, biologically at 30, our, our bodies are ready to be grandparents, not uh, not children anymore. <laughs> like, you know, we're not supposed to live that long. That's why it starts, <laughs> everything starts to slow down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, no, that's like 100%. And that's, um, 
and just by like I wanted to say that the just for clarity, like you, like you could have women taking down the masculine pole and like these movements and stuff like that. Like that's obviously a thing. But um, yeah, on the on the boys uh, becoming men, like the boy to boy to man psychology, especially with um, yeah consumerism, but then also sort of a cult a cult of um, yeah. Like virtue signaling, I think speaks to that a lot as well, because that way you're able to get yeah. Boy psychology seeks validation rather than internal finding internal strength, and of, of yeah, this is like a main thing that keeps coming out and like across the board is like the lack of rites of passage for for guys, mm-hmm. like especially in the Western world. The rites of passage used to be a bit shit. They used to be um um you know going to war for you know, the United States, something like that. Like every generation had its war up until Vietnam and then it all just sort of fell apart and that's why we've got 30 years of consumerism, consumerist rights of passage rather than... Yeah, yeah. and it's interesting because, uh, I mean, one of the arguments of why we have less war is that war is less... In modern times, war yeah. is less profitable. Yeah, yeah. Um, Whereas, you know, a couple of centuries ago, war was the most profitable thing to do, so there was a lot of war and strife. Yeah, yeah, now it's sense. actually bad for business. So, like, <laughs> anyway, I, I don't want to speak because, like, this yeah. is something I see when I speak to guys of born after 1980, let's see, say, where a lot of guys aren't living their lives and they're deifying their parents, mm. which is... is um psychologically this is an important stage to go through yeah. for most human beings. And I would argue, I think it should be complete prior to puberty where like you rely on your parents. And um, actually at dinner, someone mentioned this uh, yesterday, yesterday I thought it was really interesting. It's like when you're a child, when you're a toddler, let's say, and a need is not being met by a parent, yeah. it feels like the end of the world because yeah. at that age you view yourself. I mean, it's a bit solipsic. You think everything is about you. So if a parent yep. can't meet a need, you think it's your fault and that can cause a lot of trauma or neuroses or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fine. But now you see 30 year old men kind of behaving the same way or they're expecting mom to fix things or they're, they're afraid yep. to do what they want because they're afraid of the judgment of a parent. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it is ridiculous at, at, as an, uh, as a post pubescent male, I mean, within reason, I mean, yeah. And like, and you can see it in like media and stuff like that. Like it's it's becoming a bit of a almost kind of yeah, it's an archetype unto itself. Really, it's like um, the guy who's like uh, there's there's a show called Killing Killing Eve, and like one of the main characters is like secret agent. His mom's like the head of the division, and like so he get he's got his job from his mom, mm-hmm. and then he he has he has an issue with something that she says, and like you know she's obviously a very masculine woman woman is like been in the Cold War since the '80s and. He sounds he, like a mother complex. Well, yeah. <laughs> she domineers his growth. Yeah, yeah pretty much. He's like, he, he, he has a disagreement with her about something. And, he's, and she's like, and she's like, oh, well, if you have a problem, maybe you should quit and find a job and fend for your own for once. And, you know, like, that's the. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, even like women understand, like, that's, that's like a thing that, like, they're probably compensating for in this, like, you know, son's life in that case. Yeah. Know? Well, like, uh, a Jungian argument for the, or like a reasoning for the mother complex yeah. is that woman fears the masculine. Maybe she had an issue with her father. Yeah. So when she grows up, uh, reading this book by Eric Neumann, where they talk about this, um, like it's, uh, a woman with that kind of complex of her own, mm. when she has a son, it's like, oh, here is an aspect of masculinity I can control almost always out of fear because of something else. So now it creates the cycle where now he fears women. Maybe he becomes an asshole because of it. And it becomes this, yeah, or not even asshole, but just like not developed. Like, I, I mean, it's yeah. usually nice guy syndrome, actually. Usually mm-hmm. that's, that's usually the way it comes out. When you've got to placate, 
mother placate the yeah. placate women. And then if he breaks out of that, that's when the asshole tendencies come in because it's just like, oh, I don't have to listen to these bitches anymore. Oh, yeah. well, this is actually fun. Hooray. Yeah, yeah. The, um, the book I'm reading now by Eric Neumann, like they talk about the, uh, the different stages of archetypal development yeah. and like how the birth of consciousness in humanity, like our evolution mm-hmm. to be aware of ourselves kind of mirrors an individual's growth. Like when you're, an inf- when you're in the womb, you are one with matter. When you're yeah. one with the universe. Then you're born, you start to be able to perceive things in the world um, that's similar to maybe, I don't know, homo erectus, like being like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a thing. I can like do things like is everything about me? I don't know. And then, and then uh, at some point you, you do uh, develop a relationship with like uh, he calls it the world parents. Like uh, mm. it's like and it's, this is the whole idea. Like when you are a child, you deify very rightly you deify your parents because yeah. they're responsible for your survival. Yeah. You have to you have to adopt. It's a. It's a beneficial strategy to adopt their reality because if you are two years old and you're challenging mom's reality maybe she stops feeding you and then the the tribe leaves you and you die like you have to actually do that yeah and that's an important stage but after seven years old you should be able to assert your own individuality and certainly after puberty i think this is why teenage rebellion exists Mm -hmm. when you're a teenager around when you're seven you realize your parents aren't God. You see their flaws. Yeah, you yeah. see this other worldviews. You see their reality might not be the best one for you. Yeah. And then when you have puberty, I mean, you have all your hormones that are empowering you. Now you have the balls and the balls. I mean, yeah. No yeah. pun intended to, right. to, to stand up to them. And I think it's important not that you need to have, be angry, you know, not that you need to rebel. People, re, I think people rebel to the degree that they falsely deified their parents. Interesting. It's yeah. like the most angry atheists are people who grew up Catholic. Like they, 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 they hated that they, yeah, they adopted this worldview that didn't fit them. And they yeah. get so angry at it later as yeah, opposed exactly. to like, oh, Christianity, whatever. Like, yeah. um, so I would say if there's a practical tip, it's you outgrowing this part. If this applies to you or whether you deify your parents or maybe deify society or the collective of your friends, you're afraid to act on your own individual instincts mm-hmm. because you're afraid of what the, the group is going to do. Uh, you are falsely, you have a false idol, basically. Yeah, and right. you need to uh, learn how to connect directly to your, I mean, I think the whole idea behind God and higher power is essentially your own unconscious, your own individual expression. And can you mm. make sure that is what takes precedence over some false idol? Yeah, it's, um, it's, got, it's, it's, it's a strange one. To pi- it's, it's definitely difficult to pivot to begin with, I think, because you don't have any reference points for individuality if, mm-hmm. if you don't, if you haven't had a strong, and this is, this is probably fits into the why the plague, the plague amongst it being our generation is, you know, lack, you know, lack of masculinity at a fatherly level. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like not really in a lot of cases, I think not really having a healthy, a guy, a guy is healthily attached to his masculine or like, um, has a masculine. Yeah. That, Cause that comes out. I think that know? takes away. Cause like to, 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 to leave the collective reality, whether it's through your parents or society or whatever, yeah. and do your own thing, you have to be willing to enter, I mean, what we call the void. I mean, mm-hmm. this is why it's like one of the chapters in the archetype class is like mm-hmm. being able to, because what you're saying about men of our generation or like men who are staying as boys, they're afraid to enter the void, which is kind of rational. Like you should be afraid of stepping from solid ground into nothingness, like whether it's yeah. your own reality or yeah. you're going to yeah. lose your mind. And, and I think one thing that gives boys the courage to do that is they see all of these guys who went through it. It's like, it's like yeah. doing ayahuasca or, yeah, like some, yeah, yeah. or mushrooms. Like if you, don't, you don't know what's going to happen. It's terrifying. But if you saw someone who just tripped 
and they're now totally okay, maybe even happier. You're like, I don't know what my trip's going to be like, but all of these men yeah. have gone through that trip, found their, their individual self, and they seem happier. I can do that too. Yeah, exactly. And if you don't, I mean, this is one of the things industrialization, one of the arguments that why this ruined masculinity is that fathers now went from the fields to the factory. Yep. Boys never saw their fathers work. So they don't know what actually happens or what should happen when you leave mom. Well, yeah. So they stay stuck on mom. Yeah. And, and sort of there was a, there's a fill in with like apprenticeships and stuff like that, which is why I think like in a lot of uh, like manual laboring still like apprenticeships, like sort of, sort of fill a little bit of a void in terms of masculinity, yeah. but it's not necessarily that, um, what's the word? It's not really that wholesome or fulfilling. You know, like you could be just like masks, guys putting on masks and stuff like that. And it postures a little bit like old school masculinity, but I don't know. I don't know. This yeah. reminds me because we were talking about like our, our shadows. We were playing hot seats yesterday. Yeah, that's uh, right. And I was talking about um, uh, I don't know. This doesn't really relate, but I, I Anakin Skywalker is like one of my like especially when I, in my twenties, like that was like my evil side. Like I wanted to gain power and kill my mentors. Yeah. But there's something around the like the the one to one apprenticeship mm-hmm. that I think you know because I think I look at my college education and most people's college education, at least in the United States. Uh, almost no one actually uses the skills they lo- use and learn in college. Right. Everyone gets a college degree so they could get a job, and then they learn how to do what they are doing in life yeah, through yeah. the job. Right. Yeah. You can do that sooner and younger, and maybe it's through a one-to-one apprenticeship. Like, there's something that seems like I think every time a guy, especially a guy who's like searching for himself, hears of the concept of an apprenticeship with like mm-hmm. a, a badass or secure guy who's doing what they want to do, it's exciting. Like, every, right. even I think that, like, oh yeah, if I can meet someone. 20 years down the path I want to follow and I can like just work with him. I would totally do that. Yeah. Exactly, you know, that, that, Cause yeah. that's how that, that um, growth of individuation or security is transmitted, mm. not in a, in a lecture hall, certainly not in a group where you're trying to always impress the collective or be stuck on the collective. That's basically yeah. how cults work. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's right. <laughs> um, just, just riffing off of that. Yeah. If you have someone that you can energetically model, like it, again, going back to the fact that the, a lot of the guys don't have reference points for what, um, and masculinity, if it's like, a, if it is a penetrative force and I think it is like, you know, the way that it's described esoterically to be able to penetrate reality and then, and you know, with your will and create something or build something or, you know, um, yeah, just do something in general that's out of the box or scares you or, you know, is that your edge? If you have a really good relationship to your masculinity, I think like you feel good when you're doing that. Mm-hmm. If you don't have don't have it and it literally this is all the sort of stuff that stays in your muscle tissue like emotionally if you don't have a good relationship or you've seen your dad get fucked over when he tries to express himself you know growing up with that that's that trauma like that's literally living inside of you and it's like um it will be trying to force it because all your programming and conditioning says like no 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 this isn't safe it's like let's let's just stay at like base level here like you know what i mean mm-hmm. um but then if you have have that mentor on the other side who you know it may not be what he's actually intellectually saying it's just the way he is you're just like yeah if i can do what he's done in some way shape or form i can i can reach that point where he now takes that actions or makes those steps and is completely okay with taking responsibility and feels good about it no matter what the result is and it could be failure but he's like yeah, you know, this is me and this is what yeah. I'm doing. Because you know? I think yeah. about like, you know, um, my dad's a great guy. Uh, I, I do think he was lacking in certain things, certain qualities I think are important. 
when I was a kid, I grew up, you know, in an Asian intellectual academic household. Yeah. The men I was always drawn to, I grew up in South Brooklyn where there's a lot of like uh, mafioso type people. Oh, yeah. I was always super drawn to like the overweight, loud mouth, blue collar, Goomba. Like those are the type of guys I was always like, I was always fascinated by. I always wanted to like hang out with or like yeah. be around. Like, cause I, and I think this relates to the, the archetypal stuff I want to talk about in a second. Yeah. Uh, it's important to notice what types of people you're uh, emotionally affected by. It could be even negatively. Mm -hmm. Like if you, if you are constantly judging a person, I mean, you've, yeah. you've probably heard this before. If you're constantly judging traits in other people, it's probably because you are denying that thing in yourself. Whether mm -hmm. it's like, if you're, uh, always uh criticizing attention whores there's probably a part of you that wants more attention yeah, and you're like right, blaming right. them because you're not doing it for yourself or something like that yeah. but i think on the positive side the types of mentors you're drawn to this is one of the actually the first things we talk about in the archetype class mm -hmm. is what types of characters are you drawn to there's probably an, an yeah. un underexpressed part of you that's right. drawn to uh this james lloyd says what up what up james yeah. what up everyone watching hey, live? good uh, morning you, anybody watching live feel free to drop questions i know there's a delay and if you're not watching live, mm -hmm. make sure you join the Masculine Underground Facebook group so you can watch live if you want. Plug. Um, <laughs> that's right. Uh, I'm getting better at it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like the, the, the types of archetypes you're drawn to. Mentors, I think it's important to notice this because it is also relates to the whole like going from boy to man. There's mm -hmm. a, a book, As a Man Thinketh, which is available for free. It's public domain. And there's yeah. this. Have you read it? I've definitely downloaded it and it's on the reading list. Yeah. There's a, there's one, it's a basically a book on positive thinking. I think yeah. it's very similar to a lot of the other ones, but there's a, there's a chapter that I, I read over and over again. It's some, um, yeah. it's about, uh, it's about apprenticeship actually. And it's, yeah. it's like, you go, you, you go into the master's workshop, you're, I forget it's, it's worded very poetically, but it's like you work and you toil and you toil and toil. And then one day the master comes to you and says, I've taught everything you need to know. Now are now you are the master. And I've always gotten super emotional at that. Of like, oh yeah, like one day I will be. And I think that's an important thing because you see a lot of guys who uh, deify. Let's say like, I'm a I'm a big Joe Rogan fan. Mm -hmm. yeah, I catch yeah. myself, and I, I look up to him in many ways. I think he's the shit. Yeah, you know, I I mean, it's great. I think it's a lot of people. I think that's why he's so popular. A lot of guys see a certain a certain brand of self expression that they appreciate and want to express, but. Yeah. I will notice if I catch myself using his phrases, because I won't listen to his show a lot, I might be, I don't want, I want to make sure that I am not stuck on someone else's reality, even if it's a great one, because that keeps me in like an unindividuated yep. self. Yeah. There's a couple podcasts I opened with, what's up, you fucks? And I was like, wait, wait, no, that's not my line. Let me not, let me not use someone else's meme. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Like, yeah, that's like had that much of an impact. And I think like, yeah, just on like the healthy masculine stuff, I think he's like the best one of the best examples of like healthy masculinity on like mainstream media at this mm -hmm. point. And that's like feeding into why he's such a prominent figure right now. Like, like 10 years ago, this is like, well, podcasts weren't, weren't that big back then, but like, you know, like 10 years ago, the idea that Mr. Fear Factor host slash UFC fighter, Joe Rogan would be like, you know, one of the most, one of the most popular people on the planet. And, popular enough in the United States that he can swing elections like the podcast can. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like ridiculous, but his open-mindedness, like this is the thing, like his open-mindedness, his willingness to question stuff while still being coming from a very authentic place and, and secure, secure place is like such a refreshing change from what so many people see and as men in modern like media and society. And again, this goes back to energetic modeling like you don't have 
the same you don't have this you like not in like you know for example modern family like you won't have a, a father figure who is completely secure in himself or has the respect of his wife and children because that wouldn't be very funny you'd have like some idiot basically which they do mm-hmm. playing the father role and and ironically that what makes it funny is it's riffing off of the old school archetype of like masculinity being a safe secure thing because like when this guy fucks up it's like ha 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 look at him trying to be a man this is uh, this is hilarious but you also have you know you have the the very i mean if you look at like tywin lannister yeah he's an evil character but like when it comes to the father archetype yeah he has that down like there's nothing like his children can rely on him he might do some other fucked up shit yeah but like he, he has that aspect mm. down um I want to talk yeah. about the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. I've wanted to make an episode on this, but I was like, "This is not like a, this is not meaty enough to be its own episode." But I, I'm trying. I'm trying to string this together right now. Mm. Um, about like as far as uh, adolescent arc, the Manic Pixie Dream Girl is obviously a female archetype, and you know what it is. Um, ex- my, I should, my, I should I mean, define let's, it anyway. Let's yeah. define it because <laughs> I know a general idea is basically Natalie Portman in some movie that I haven't seen, sure. but, but basically, <laughs> but I've seen the scene where Zach Braff is talking to her and she's just ah! okay. So like, the yeah. Manic Pixie Dream Girl is a is a theatrical trope that's been around for as long as storytelling has been around, but it's, it's prominent in film, and I think uh, a film critic not that long ago coined the term, but it's a it's um. It's kind of a one-dimensional type of female character you see in yeah. film a lot where she's like super bubbly and she's like super like open-minded and kind of crazy and yeah. like you know full of joy and it's always in a film where the main character is like basically a guy in adolescent psychology like he, it doesn't matter what his yeah. age is he's usually a younger guy but he's like he's overly in his head he's brooding he's like morose yep. he sees the world in a hyper rational perspective yep. and this one-dimensional manic pixie dream girl character like natalie portman in, in garden state i don't know why that's the example there's actually many examples like um, yeah zoe deschanel probably has zoe deschanel is, is the, like, manic the pixie dream girl um she Anybody. enters she enters the the boy's the man's life the guy's life and like through her extreme uh extreme femininity you could call it teaches yeah. him to appreciate life in some way that he didn't and i was just reading an article about like how the guy who coined it is regretful because it's promoted sexism in the media i i p- perhaps i mean the whole thing uh, have you heard of the bechdel test Yes. Okay. For those of you, the Bechdel yeah. test is a feminist test. It started as a joke from a feminist comic, but yeah. it's like yeah. um, uh, a film passes the Bechdel test if it has three elements. There's yeah. more than one female character. Uh, the two female characters have a conversation with yeah. each other, yeah. and that conversation is not about a man. Or, yeah, it has to advance the plot, or like yeah, yeah, about something else than other than the main male characters or the male characters. Yeah, and it seems like it's like so extreme that you would think like, oh, I mean only like the worst movies wouldn't pass that test, but actually almost every movie almost fails every that movie. test That's right. up until yeah. maybe like the eighties. And even now to this day, yeah. even with, you know, our, our fairly progressive liberal left leaning society, yeah. left leading media, almost every film still doesn't pass the test. In fact, wonder woman, wonder woman, everyone touted wonder woman is like this incredible advancement, female protagonist. Yes, that's great. Wonder woman itself did not pass the best test, except for the opening scene where they're on the Island of women. The right. rest of the main movie does not, Wonder Woman does not interact with a woman about anything yes. other than a man throughout the entire movie, which is ridiculous. Yep. I don't think yep. it's explicit misogyny. I think it's the fact that uh, it's mostly maybe male writers, and even the female writers probably write from a male paradigm because that's what every movie they've watched kind of follows. Probably, yeah, that's right. And uh, yeah, because like, Wonder Woman still yeah. kind of relied on men in the 
in the movie. Anyway, it is all to say, I don't think the Manic Pixie Dream Girl in itself is sexist. It's the fact that um, it's, it's written from a male perspective. And the reason why I even care to talk about this is not about the movies, is that it is an important trope in male psychology. Like, obviously, yeah. such a woman is not a real person. It's a one-dimensional character. Yeah. Whenever yeah. she's in film, she's not actually a real person. Yeah. But it's the extreme fantasy of what a brooding, overly analytical, sad, morose guy will fantasize about to pull him out of his bullshit. Yeah. Like, of right. course, it's, it's, it's not a real person. Like, it's it's the fantasy of a man, like his unconscious, like any guy who's drawn to a movie with a manic pixie dream girl probably is lacking that in his life, which is why a bubbly, sexual, crazy woman who yeah. enters his life is so, like, emotionally compelling. Yeah, exactly. It's like the opposite. It's, yeah. It's his paradigm. It's like he... It's it's such an interesting like thing that guys go like guys go to and I kind of get it like from a, yeah from boy psychology perspective because again if you don't have the reference point of like a really solid like healthy healthy masculinity that's being demonstrated to you and how great life can be if you have that and like not maybe yeah not coming from a hyper rational perspective but really just faith in yourself because that's ultimately what it is um, that. It, you ultimately become reliant on like some sort of fem, you know, projection of the feminine, what it can be for you to give you an excuse to pull, pull you out of your bullshit. Probably. Yeah. yeah Cause I mean, masculinity as a function only has any meaning in response to its opposite. So yeah, like, you can't have masculinity or femininity in a vacuum, right? We could yeah. say that with testosterone driven traits, but if mm. the world was just men, there would be no concept of masculinity. It'd just be yeah, that's right. being a person. Right. So like so this kind of extremist, uh, it's like, cause the important thing with like, with uh, we'll talk about Freud's sexual theory in a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, our archetypes meet their opposite, right? Yeah. Like if you have a weird emotional pattern with with your ex girlfriends or ex boyfriends, or like you're constantly in the same dynamic, or you keep getting attracted to a type of person, yeah. it's because that expression of their per- of a person that archetype complements something in you that needs to be complete. So like yeah. if you keep dating manic pixie dream girls in your life or women who kind of show up that way, there's probably some aspect of you that's trying to like connect yeah. with that part. Cause like obviously there's no person who's actually a manic pixie dream girl. Well, I was Many say, women have yeah. that aspect in them or can yeah. access it. But like right. it'll only come out in response to its complementary archetype, which is the sad boy, basically. Is it the sad boy? Or like the, the, or the hyper, I mean, hyper rational, sad, uh, unexpressed, emotionally, emotionally divorced because because to interact in a fun way with a manic pixie dream girl a guy has to express certain virtues of uh or he it gives an opportunity to express certain virtues of like being a guy and not 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 a like a red pill keyboard jockey who's like angry at at women but like someone who can appreciate the feminine hold space and actually be with such a person yeah that's that was the interesting thing about the about that archetype because i wasn't because Number one, like, so they're so crazy and let's crazy is like probably a loaded term, but the, they're so out in, in their sort of in the ether and thinking about all these ungrounded ideas and maybe mm-hmm. flying around. Like you'd have to be a pretty solid dude to be able to ground that sort of energy, which is, which is why potentially that's why they're going like the, yeah. the boy psychology is drawn to that because it gives an opportunity to start to what you like what you said learn yeah. how to ground that ground, ground and also not judge or appreciate or not, yes, like be able to appreciate yeah. i think a lot of guys a lot the reason why it's called crazy is that yeah men who fear that expression of femininity right uh try to put it down i mean you yeah. see this a lot in migtow and extreme red pill yeah 
And that's why I caught myself when I said crazy because I'm just like, it's not, it's, it's, it's ungrounded is a better term for it. It's really just like, um, yeah, so full of energy and full of life and connected to the feminine up there, like, you know, or out there that mm-hmm. like she almost can't, yeah, she'll, she'll be just be flying with all these different ideas and things yeah. like that. Like the, like the, like in the movies. Yeah. Because in, in yeah. those movies, the, if, if, unless, unless I don't know if there's like a, a tragedy where there's a manic dream girl, he just fails, but usually it's like the boy learns how to, the boy grows up in order to be with her. Uh huh. I haven't seen the movie 500 days of summer, but dude, Zoe Deschanel is in there. As, as I haven't seen it either, but yeah. I, would, I would imagine it's the same I'm, idea. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it was uh, basically the case that he fails like at the end. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm oh, pretty sure. Because, but I think it was also because. Uh, what do you do? Oh, when you, you, you going? What are you saying? Wait, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think in that particular case, um, yeah, I think he fails. I think like at the end, mm. it's it's a story about a breakup. I know that for sure. And I think it was literally a movie where they deconstruct the manic pixie dream girl a little bit. Like they show how he was projecting his reality onto her. And that's mm-hmm. why she eventually leaves him. And that's also why I was c- kind of confused as to why, why guys are so drawn to that particular archetype. Cause I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't expect them to be able to ground that energy. Like right. At least right off the bat. But, but you I think you're that, that you gave a good reason, which is that they can learn, start to learn, um, how it how, how it works and if like failure is almost definitely expected in terms of grounding it but and then potentially the girls can leave with that pain and can drive them on to even even more like you know digging into himself and finding like his uh yeah his solidness and his like purpose and like being able to you know again in each relationship learning how to better take the masculine pole and like yeah i mean i haven't seen that movie but i think uh it's important to show the tragedy side of it too yeah i think it's one of the reasons why our generation is afraid of failure is like um pop culture is like so so winning oriented yeah so like when you when you date the manic type or something like a woman like that and it doesn't work out well a guy will get overly depressed as 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 opposed to having it modeled like here's how you grow for the next one like have you seen swingers no, no, it's one of the best movies ever. It's like a very simple movie. It's one of uh, Vince Vaughn's first movies with uh, oh, right. John Favreau. Right, um, right. Uh, apparently, they wrote it in like two weeks and they filmed it on a shitty camera. That's and hilarious. Heather Graham is Heather Graham's first movie. Anyway, it's yeah. about a guy basically depressed the entire movie over his girlfriend cheating on him or something. Yeah. And he goes to all these parties and he tries to like like fix himself. Anyway, there's like a really iconic the final scene is where his girlfriend calls him to apologize, but he had just gotten over her. And you can see how he overcame that massive failure. And like, no, I, I've actually moved on. And it's like, that's such a great movie for a guy to watch who's uh, been broken up with or heartbroken because it actually shows the failure and the recovery from it. Okay, which cool. needs to be modeled. Yeah, because I think, I was just about to say, I thought that breakup sometimes in media, like uh, that's also like exaggerated, like how depressing it can be. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Um, do we have to, yeah, we yeah, well, yeah. So we have a question. Uh, what do you do when you have no masculine role models to look up to? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it depends. I, I would say if you feel like you're lacking in something and there's no one that impresses you, are, are you, it's, are you being nihilistic mm. or, are, I mean, cause like, it's not even that, uh, there's something always to develop in yourself, even if you're like a solid individual. So like, if you're not, and let's say you're not who you want to be or there's things that do exist you want to develop and then you're super judgmental of everyone else mm-hmm. it, it might be exactly that thing where like there's this quality you want let's say you blame the attention whore but you really want to yeah. uh 
so I would explore that. It's hard to answer that uh, without knowing more about you. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, it could just be that you're the shit. But arrogance is also perhaps a defense mechanism. Um, Essentially, yeah. I, I would I would press anyone who asks that question. Uh, is like, is there nothing in other people that you admire? Is there nothing that you would want to develop? Like, there's there maybe is nothing. I don't know. But I think that's kind of like a dismal way to live. Like what? Mm. Because then you're robbing yourself of a story, right? Like the hero's journey is so compelling because no matter who you are, everyone kind of wants to do something that has them develop and become a more interesting person. Like that's why we watch movies, you know? Yeah. So I'd imagine there's got to be something out there. I would search for your interest and see who captivates you. Like who do you listen to? Who do you want to talk to? Who Like what podcast, you know, whatever, anything, what what ideas are you drawn to? Because there's something in there. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the person. You don't. Maybe you don't want to be the person. But there's some aspect of that person that's interesting to you. And it's not that you have to add traits to yourself. But I think very few of us are fully individuated. Um, yeah, that's true. And I. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I think that part of part of that is like yeah. If you, if, I think for my myself, what you're talking about with like the nihilism and judgment, like for years, that's what kept me from probably finding like like yeah going down the growth path and doing the hero's journey because yeah if you if you come from like a nihilistically arrogant perspective like oh you know well i understand how the world really is and everyone else is just idiots for leaving otherwise mm-hmm. like that's gonna that's gonna block you like right off the bat like you're not going to be able to respect another person or like you know appreciate what they have and or what uh, what you want yourself you know so that's like yeah, that's, yeah that's actually, I think I just maybe misread into the question. I think it was, uh, what if there's no masculine role models available? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, the great thing about the internet is that you kind of have access to everyone. You don't have to hang out with, I was thinking Joe Rogan, actually. Like, you, yeah. you, you don't have to actually sit down and meet the person, although that's great if you have that opportunity. There, I mean, you have access to everyone's ideas. There's someone who yeah. will resonate with uh yeah. And the, the fact that you're in, like, forget about like searching for this person. The fact that you're interested in a certain person yeah. probably means they have some quality that you want to develop. And like your, your interest itself is what's guiding you to that person to kind of absorb that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And like there's, and there's so many diverse, and that's why there's so many diverse masculine archetypes. Like I think just like, just out there in like the ether, like soldier, warrior, blah, magician, but then also like just a king, queen, a king, like prince. Could be a queen. Could be a queen, Drag yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, but yeah, like definitely keep a lookout on like because, for example, like I think the best example is Joe Rogan's great, but then his best friend Aubrey, like one of his best friends, Aubrey Marcus, who's like on, also a member of on it. He's like he's like a di- different, like his energy. He's also really solid and grounded, but it's super into plant medicine even more than than Joe is. Like he does it a lot, and his his version of masculinity is just so you can just feel it. It's, it's hard to explain, but like if you watch both of their podcasts, it's just, they're just two different types of dude. And yeah, like the internet, the internet has so many, so many great examples, you know, um, out there in the ether. So yeah, just like probably, I don't know, like what, what do you think? Like take notes on like who's, who's most interesting to you and like dig into why. Is that the, the That's thing? literally, yeah one part of one of the exercises in the architect class oh, because, because uh, I, I think, I mean, when you have random interests that I, is your unconscious drawing you to something you randomly yeah. like paint or you <laughs> randomly like, uh, I don't know, some sort of obscure topic, especially if it's like, you don't, you didn't get it from your parents. You didn't get it from your environment. Are you just really into, I don't know, 
I don't know, pick a pick a vocation. Uh, sewing. sewing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, macrame. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Maybe maybe not. But I, you know, because like our, our like it's also interesting that I've been kind of as a joke Facebook living my house chores, building stuff, digging holes, and uh, <laughs> it was a half joke. I do I do enjoy those things. Like, there's something primal about swinging a hammer, which is why like oh, totally. a little boy likes to play with tools and stuff yeah. like. And like guys have reached out and actually come over to do house chores because they've recognized like, oh, this thing actually feels really good to dig this hole or, or chop yeah. this wood. And it says also archetypal expression, something that is, um, yeah, I, random impulses, I believe, need to be validated, not always expressed literally, but certainly validated because mm. there's something in that uh, that wants to express itself. Yeah, that's right. Unless it's like hitting someone in the back of the head with a shovel. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe you should think about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want to talk about Freud's sexual theory. I don't actually. I might make that his own thing. Uh, yeah, because you mentioned the dark triad yesterday. It's actually a term. A term I, I remember reading a long time ago, but I forgot. Mm. Yeah, and I do think it relates to adolescence. Yeah, it's it's int- yeah. So this is like it's the concept in red pill psychology that like so basically red pill psychology and sort of pickup psychology that the mo- guys are the most popular with women and like get the most sex. Um, and popular in inverted commas because maybe like we'll, we'll see like um, basically the guys who get the most sex are guys with the dark with, with the more developed dark triad traits. Which so are three. There's so it's a triangle, and you've got uh, narcissism, Machiavellianism, and sadism as like the three things. And the more developed in theory is the more developed you have of each of those, the more popular or the more ruthless and like um, successful you'll be at getting women to bed basically. So yeah, I mentioned it last night. Cause that was like when I was reading a lot of, um, it was like as early as last year, like early last year that I was reading about stuff and thinking it was interesting and that, yeah, maybe there is something that's like lacking in like the darkness department and, um, in yourself yeah, and myself mm-hmm. and really, um, yeah, well, I mean, what, what was it that you wanted to, to specifically to say about it? Because like, um, Mike's oh, like yeah, what was it you want to dig into and specifically? Well, because it is it is uh, everyone can think of like oh someone like totally lacking that might be a nice guy and like, yeah. when you when you listen to those and you think about the idea of uh, people being attracted to them the first thing you think of is like the jerk who gets all the women oh, yeah. or stuff like totally. that like I mean the thing I appreciate about Red Pill is that it's so um, uh, empiric or so like it's so here are the facts the yeah. problem the thing I hate about or the thing is. I, very detrimental is that they use those facts to justify misogyny, which yeah. I mean, it's not even about a moral stance. It's like, if you're going around hating women, you're it's greatly impeding your happiness in life, your ability to yeah. connect flawlessly. You're That's always right. going to be on edge. Like some of these red pill guys, like they might be married to their like dream woman, but they're always on edge. Like I got to keep gaming her. It's like, that's like a terrible way to live. That's, yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's a hundred percent. So that's like, that's, that's ultimately like the, that's the ultimate death of like hyper rationalizing how to, yeah, just like, so this is the problem that I face with like, if, especially with the dark triad stuff. Like eventually I realized like I've got that in me anyway. It's cool. Like I just need, you just need to integrate that stuff with love, care and respect for yourself really more than anything. Instead of like mm-hmm. the thing that I sort of experimented with was like affirmations. It didn't, it, it didn't, yeah, it just didn't feel right. Like affirmations, like where you sort of try and become more, manipulative and stuff like oh not machiavellian really more than anything and i experimented a little bit really like it it, it works the other way around like because you're trying to 
the way I'll describe it energetically is like you're trying to paper on something on top of yourself. Like, like it's literally like wearing a mask. It's an insecure uh, motivation. Yeah, and like you, it's literally like mask wearing. Like if you, you or armor wear, it's literally built. You're putting armor on yourself in order, or like a, weaponizing yourself in some way, in order to have something that should like is described literally as an internal characteristic. So it doesn't really, yeah, like. Yeah, it just didn't work. It didn't feel energetically right. Whereas on the other hand, like once you start to act with like love for your darker side, and I got I got taught by the um, um, amazing MJ Fitzpatrick. Shout out to him. Um, but down in Australia, uh, around this, if you're, but he's basically like he's been on the podcast too. You can look up our episode. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, he, but basically, yeah, like everyone's got their own dark sides, and the only way that you can integrate it, and it's like Jungian as well, like. It's really to treat it with like to recognize it and care for it and give it give those impulses and that part of yourself validation like love love for it and love for what it might be trying to express to you because what it's trying to express to you is really probably actually something really healthy and in your best interest yeah because all those three traits i mean narcissism the reason why someone who's lacking in self-love i mean someone lacking in self-love might be like oh, i need to be more narcissistic because they're lacking in doing things yep. for themselves but to go around all like there's a certain point where it becomes gluttony and like not yes. dimin- beyond diminishing returns actually detrimental Way to keep yeah, being self feeding. In fact, I'd say that's one of the moves from boy to man is where your the problems you focus on are no longer selfish. Like you've yes. fixed your, your immediate needs now. Like the thing that engages my attention has to do with my family or my group or my my relationship. Or yeah, hundred percent. And that's like and and then you notice that. Yeah, he's like narcissism. They might be lacking a self-love, and then they might be a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. So that so it's the opposite ends of spectrum. So you can see why people why why this series developed this way is because if if a guy guy specifically is in that people pleasing bubble, and you know he's he's doing stuff for women, women are like you know like taking advantage of you know because you know he might be buying them cars and shit. And it's like who doesn't want a free car? I'd take that, you know. Um, but so he might be doing all that stuff, and still he's not the guy who she's uh, she's choosing to sleep with because for obvious reasons, you know, like she he's not he's not, he's not he's not standing up for himself in any meaningful way, etc. So mm-hmm. that's why it goes that way. But when you think about it, and when you can be selfish, selfishly like healthily selfish, and we get your needs met, all of a sudden, you know, hey, like you know, being a bit of a like not like. You know, a bit of an asshole to people that don't, you know, don't deserve your time and respect. All of a sudden, becomes like a bit of a virtue because you can tell them to go fuck themselves. You know? Yeah, or being being real. I mean, yeah, even even, real, even yeah. the statism piece is like for someone who's afraid to take things to levels of discomfort, which oh, can yeah. be very detrimental. Of course, you need maybe what you could call a little more statism or willingness to, or maybe an interest. Like, how many women enjoy being choked in bed? Like, if you're oh, yeah. unwilling to do that, you're kind of doing a disservice uh, to the person you're with well that's the other side of this is that like sexually obviously like that dark side is and that energy is extremely when a woman is with a guy that she feels safe with they like you know they love to explore that like a lot of women want to explore that with a yeah. with, a, with a guy that know they know that loves and respects them. really like that's the it's like the balancing balancing piece of like this whole thing yeah um which well, also demonstrates a quality of like if you're willing to do something like that. You're you're able to defend her when pregnant from uh, oh yeah invader. yeah exactly. <laughs> Otherwise, she's just not safe. You know, yeah, not even once she's pregnant, uh, just like straight up. Yeah, yeah. and the kids as well. 
Yeah, all these things. Yeah, because yeah, you, you know, she knows that you can be as brutal and uh, yeah, just basically be a warrior and a conqueror. And like that's there's something about femininity. There's something about the feminine that does respond to that in yeah. a really like. And I mean, way. all of these like things like can be taken from an ideological or political perspective. The reason why I have my viewpoints on things is that in certain areas of life, no matter what your ideology is, if it become like you can see the evidence. Like it doesn't matter. Like you see, we see this. I say this all the time in in uh, Omar Pani's BDSM workshops. Yeah. you'd very often see like hyper liberal uh, couples who now were admitting like, hey, we haven't wanted to sleep with each other in 20 years because <laughs> we right. had this idea that sexual polarity is, is, is bad. But now, like, even though we think this way, we literally are not attracted to each other. And like Hilarious. there's certain instinctual things that we can't deny. We can't out rationalize <clears throat> these things because oh, yeah. and all That's these it. everything when it comes to feeling bring us back to the original piece of like a 30 year old guy who feels uh, kind of lost in life. He doesn't really know why he's done everything that his parents told him to do. Yeah. There's yeah. a reason why you feel like shit because that was not the right thing to do for your yeah. instincts. Like yeah, your, your, exactly. your unconscious is not happy with the choices you've made. Yeah. And the overlying thing of all this is like high, rationalizing this stuff when it comes, when you're trying to do come from a feeling perspective and try and tap into those parts of yourself rarely, if ever works. Cause um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's not connected. You know what I mean? Like, and that's, that's, that's really what the dark tried isn't really connected to the, wholeness of like of human male experience you have another question uh oh, it looks like we do have some questions and we missed them we're going to end with these questions yes. uh all right we had a clarifying comment on the archetype thing role model william real life role models characteristics and people yeah okay i think we did address that i realized i probably did misunderstand yep. our first cool. interpretation cool. let's see what else we got uh someone says agree we william. become our own heroes it's helpful to have people to learn from or look from directly. Yeah, I mean, if this is something that's uh, drawing you and uh, listening to people in media isn't quite enough because there is something about real life, yep. I would make that your quest. I think it's a normal part. I think a lot of, uh, I would actually say a lot of teenage rebellion and boys specifically are challenging outside to find a, a role model strong enough that they can apprentice with or like actually like when you see yeah, yeah. i mean i have so many examples of this like teenage boy doesn't respect his father doesn't respect the authority figure but will totally respect the jocko willing type like he, <laughs> yeah. you introduce him into the into the field of somebody the presence of somebody who really has that shit down boys are thrilled to listen to a guy who, who actually can hold them because he's yes. trying to see like can you handle me or oh, you can't handle me why would i listen to you yeah, and he rebels exactly. until he finds someone. That's exactly. Um, right. And then, anyway, my point is, exactly uh, yeah. you know, no matter what your age is, that part of us is still inside of us, and you feel unfulfilled. I would actually make an active quest to find someone that you feel stable around, and you feel like you can like start to embody these unexpressed parts of yourself, and maybe you know find a way to work with them. I don't know something. Yeah. And then by work with them, I mean it could literally be like asking to hire you and like like literally work for the person and you'll 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 get all of that thing through transmission yeah um all right so someone said so the dark tried model might get women to bed but i don't think they make good fathers and healthy masculine figures um so we kind of address that and i would go back yeah I, I would say i mean he said like what would the light tribe yeah, be yeah. i'd say the, the light tribe is like the the people pleasing would be the other side of narcissism um i'd say they're both not integrated but as far as material results, if you had to choose between being a people pleaser or a narcissist, you will probably be more individually happy in the short term as a narcissist, right? Because you'll at least yeah. you'll at least get what you want. Is it sustainable in the long run? No. Are you going to be fulfilled? Probably not. Yeah. But I would actually say, 
the, the dark triad stuff, it's not that it makes a good father, but it has the same idea in a fatherly role, like uh, a strong-minded narcissistic father probably will think that his family is happier than a people-pleasing father who's, yes, whose yeah. kids always shit on him. Yeah. Both are not ideal because eventually the, the dark father's kids are going to grow up to hate him too. Yeah. But at least he can garnish respect in the short term. So I'd say the most important thing with both attracting women or being a father is that actual healthy integration, which is speaking your mind and being secure and self-loving instead of trying to dominate people for your benefit or to please people for your benefit. The, 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 you just reminded me of like, well, just like Rick and Morty has like this, this whole thing down with like, uh, he sort of talks about how like the reptilian certain guy, there's something reptilian about Rick where he's, where he clearly has a oh, Rick and Morty. Yeah. Yeah. yeah preference for his own offspring like in terms of rick and morty and beth like, it is a more reptilian worldview like yeah. you know uh, rick from rick and morty again tywin lannister even yes. cersei lannister like yeah, yeah. you'd see this a lot in like in uh i think the in complex dramas where the evil person you can see they're not really evil they just maybe value their their family over all other people you see this in the sopranos yeah. you see this in lots of uh villains um with the light triad thing i'd i'd say just borrowing off from mj's stuff again it's like his like there's a big part of his work is like commitment non-judgment and responsibility like not to spoil any yeah like i think that's like a key part of his opening work i think that's a key key thing for guys because if you can own and take responsibility for your dark side um yeah it becomes it becomes a light trait basically mm -hmm. you're able to use the dark side but uh but you don't need to, and um, yeah. unless unless you're in a, like a life-threatening situation, and then you can throw someone off of a bridge or you know <laughs> execute the trolley, right. execute the trolley car problem and be completely uh, okay with it. All right, we got another comment on the same thread. Uh, People pleasing is a narcissistic trait. Yes, exactly, because you are trying to self. You're doing something to try to get a need yep. met. Yeah, that's that's the whole thing behind nice guy syndrome. That's actually and, a very good point. And uh, yeah, cool. Yeah. We're at the hour. Any final cool. questions? Any final thoughts? Final thoughts. Um, yeah, just like, no, nah, it's the, the light triad thing. I think it, I think it is like the commitment and responsibility and non, and really non judgment, I think is a, is a key piece because, um, yeah, judging yourself is what keeps a lot of guys stuck. Um, and as well as judging, and then that filters into the way you judge other people. And that just stops. And that feel like you'll, Holds you back from growing further, like as a person, and that and masculinity is all about growth, and so that's why it's such a key piece. Yeah, yeah. I'd say with all this stuff, I mean, I think many men, no matter what age, are we we all carry on, like we all hold on to aspects of childhood that maybe weren't completed. Yeah, I think uh, so there's certain adolescent behaviors a lot of men have that are just they're, they're, they're forget about judgment. They're just simply a symptom or a sign that something is incomplete yeah. and one way to complete those is noticing patterns and how you interact with other people, whether the type of people you're attracted to or the type of people that are attracted to you, even if you don't mean to, or like your relationship with your parents or recurring themes and men you try to connect with. These are ways of exploring aspects of yourself. Cause all personal development or spiritual growth is basically trying to complete your childhood. And I think, totally. uh, the sooner you can complete yourself or complete the childhood needs or adolescent needs, yeah. at least to the point where now you can focus on things that are not your own uh, gluttonous healing. I yeah. did not. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it could, I mean, gluttonous healing can be fun for a, for a while. Like 
definitely. Well, I think, you know, we all have gaps. That need, most people's hero's journey start as like, this is a thing that I need to solve or this is a lack. But at a certain point, you got to realize that I've done enough for myself and now I can use my resources to focus on other people, which is why anyone who keeps like taking every single workshop or constantly reading books and trying to like, like they eventually kind of run out of steam. It kind of gets boring. Yeah. They're, they're better. Anyway. Yeah. That's it. Uh, any announcements? The community application is still open. If you want to join me on the Camino de Santiago, mm-hmm. you can go to ruando.com slash Camino and apply. Um, anything else? Australia no. is whack as hell. It's a good holiday spot, <laughs> but you just need to know where to go. I disagree. Right. <laughs> Peace. Peace out, guys.